Before Zoom Info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. Now, Zoom Info helps you automate, scale up, and reach marketplace domination. Win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. Tuesday, once again, so you know what that means. It's the Out of Sight Podcast. It is the special summer engagement series. Uh, everything is gassed up. We're ready to travel to more universes in Philadelphia 76ers lore slash history. And we're going to play a little what if. It's been going on, so I appreciate everybody that's been listening. The downloads, the follows, like we appreciate it all. And when I say we... I mean, myself and my partner, my uh, the, the passenger in this uh, universe traveling vehicle, Mr. Dave Early. How are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm, I hope I'm not like the, the passenger that Dexter has to you. No, 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 no. Listen, you're you're a fantastic passenger. What you're doing, you're keeping your eyes on the roads. You're making sure that I don't bump into any uh, paradoxes or anything like that. You got the you got the music on tilt. It's ready to go. It's always slapping in here. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> All right, nice. Before we get started, should we give a special shout out to Mr. Mr. Steve Littman, the newly engaged Steve Littman? Yeah, let's congratulate Steve and Gabrielle. Steve, Gabrielle, happy life. Uh, make sure we get our wedding invitations. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Just I'm I'm a master. I am a savant. At the at the wedding toast, so just hit me up if you need it. I have a way with words, Steve. Most of them possibly embarrassing for you, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've got some really really bad dances. I could probably get work in there. Oh come on, Steve! Come on, you can't. <laughs> how do you turn that down, Steve? Anyway, congratulations, Steve. If we yes. get wedding invitations, great. If not, you know we don't take it personal. This universe that we're going traveling to this week, 2014. That year resonates highly with every Sixers fan because that is the year that the Philadelphia 76ers drafted Joel Embiid at number three, much to the delayed response of Mr. Embiid. Seriously, that draft photo is still haunting and hilarious at the same time, where it's like he just didn't know, he just didn't realize where he was drafted. Yeah, the, the face that everyone uses, it's still hilarious. Uh, I was just reading a little bit of background on how he wanted to be the first overall pick, but he was pretty much resigned. That wasn't going to happen in that moment. And he knew he wasn't going to be the second pick either because Mark Lazary of the Bucks came out and said, the injury makes this a lot easier for us. We need someone who could be there on day one. So at that point, uh, maybe in that point, he knew it was going to be Philly, but he he wanted originally he wanted to slide seven and go to L.A. Did you hear that? I've not heard that. So just let's let's just hold that until we get to alternate universes here. Yeah. Here's the thing about Embiid going third, as Dave pointed out, Milwaukee had the number two pick, but the Cleveland Cavaliers had the number one overall pick. So let's just start here. Would the Cavaliers have drafted MB? And I think there are two important points here to discuss. You mean if he never got hurt, if he never broke his foot? Um, sure. You want to throw that caveat in there too? 
But what, what's it without the caveat? So without the caveat, I'm thinking that Embiid is simply what he was when the Sixers drafted him. Broken foot, unsure what is going to happen as far as when he's going to play, when he's going to be available. I mean, we could have some fun and just do both at the same time. Yeah, well, we know they had that choice with the broken foot, and they did not take it. They opted for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, they had a mandate. They had to win now because they were signing LeBron, who, you know, was bas- getting him was basically contingent upon, all right, well, if you're going to use some of these guys that had just gotten Anthony Bennett, they had just gotten Dion Waiters, they had just gotten Kyrie, uh, and then they got the number one pick again with, like, a 1.7% chance to win the lottery. So I think they – truly liked Joel. Uh, They were a little worried about the fracture in his back that he had had at Kansas. Correct. But as most of us were, (laughs) they were 1000% going to draft him anyway. He, you know, he, I think David Griffin said he was like the best prospect prospect I've seen since Hakeem uh, on, in his workout, he was like bulldozing the tally pot of panko that your own Weitzman. So they were like, we knew he was going to run around Vitaly, who's like 300 pounds, but he was bulldozing him. We couldn't believe how powerful Joe was. So I think he would have a thousand percent went one if he didn't then, uh, you know, test with that broken foot. So Cavs would have had him. Now, Embiid as is, and I don't know why I'm speaking about it, like he's a used car or something, but as is, I'm pretty sure that jeopardizes the Kevin Love trade to Cleveland if Embiid is the number one overall pick. Like, I'm not a thousand percent sure Minnesota says yes to that. Yeah, I don't recall alternative available disgruntled all-star caliber players they could have shopped Joel for. But if you had to guess, you'd guess that they love the idea of getting Wiggins who they could plug in right away and give their fans someone to cheer for from day one. I mean, Cleveland like that, LeBron not so much because Wiggins was traded about a month into his rookie season. Yeah, exactly. It was one of those awkward, like, we're going to hash out your contract all summer long and then trade you in August. Um, remember remember when the uh, there was, like, pro, programs being written and, like, hype videos being made and just Andrew Wiggins was just not in either of them? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was hilarious. There's some case studies in awkwardness for sure. Taking <laughs> a guy one and then training him. And I, I don't know how it would have played out if Joel was set to miss the entire season and they took him anyway. I don't know what they would have gotten for him. And I don't think LeBron would have wanted to wait. That's the other thing. I don't think there's any way LeBron would have waited for MB to be healthy ish two years later. No like, way. If, if you rebroke the foot, there's no way he would have lasted. If you're trading, if LeBron is coming to Cleveland, like that instantly puts you in win now mode. So I don't, I don't think that would have made sense. Exactly. I, I don't know if he would have agreed to come if you, if he did that, you know, I think. No, definitely not. He would have been like, all right, if you, if you're not going to do what it takes, if you're not willing to trade this pick, I don't want to be there. Right. Because you have, because like you said, they had Dion Waiters. They had Anthony Bennett. And say what you want about Anthony Bennett. Like, there was still maybe some potential there when LeBron got there. But, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys on that squad where LeBron was just like, yeah, I, I can't win with these youngsters. Like, you got to get me some you got to get me some proven veterans in here. Yeah, to his credit, he sniffed out that uh, 
he, he's done this twice where he's joined the losingest team over a four or five year span. He did that when he left Miami to go back to Cleveland. Cleveland had the worst record in the league over a four year span. And then he did that again when he went to LA. So he's like, why don't you tank as hard as humanly possible? And then I'll consider joining you if you're going to trade all of that tank capital, except my favorite guy, Kyrie. Unless you're the Sixers, in which case LeBron never even contemplated it. If he did, if he did join the Sixers in 2018 with Joel, he, he might have caught MJ by now. So he should have done that. LeBron, yeah, LeBron, what are you doing? Like, think about your management strategy, my guy. What are you doing? I know that we're, we're deviating, but like right now, if you're him and you hear that they don't want to trade two picks for Kyrie Irving to swap Russell Westbrook, you're like, do you know how many rings it cost me to be here in L.A.? I could have right. went to Philly and had three anyway. <laughs> uh, the Bucks had the number two overall pick that year. Yeah. And when I think about it, uh, again, Embiid, fully healthy, clean bill of health, Giannis and Embiid, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Just, just I, I don't know what you do if you're any other team in the NBA. Like, I really don't. Yeah, Lazary has one of the coldest coldest takes of all time saying, like, you know, this makes our decision easy and easier. I mean, obviously, they couldn't have predicted that Jabari Parker, who a lot of people had as a top three to four prospect there, tears knee like twice. So, some, so certainly some bad luck, misfortune there. A little ironic twist that Joel has, like, developed into the star – that coach self said he would self right. said like, I know Wiggins is monster. I know Joel is a monster, but Joel is the best prospect I have ever seen. And Bobby Knight said the same thing about Michael Jordan. So like, sometimes if you hear these guys say this <laughs> stuff, it sounds like hyperbole and we look back and it's amazing. Prior to that draft, Milwaukee was 15 and 67. Uh, hard to say what they were planning at that point. Were, were, were the bucks kind of like, were they, tanking like the sixes were doing or were they just like all right screw it we're just gonna go for it we'll see what happens i don't think you could give them enough credit to say they were tanking like the sixers i don't know that there was as much of a plan um but yeah they would have strung together multiple high picks i mean they did really right They, they had multiple high picks it turns out it was the one just outside the lottery that really hit and made everything else they did and messed up look like didn't even matter at all. Giannis was how high was Chris Middleton? I thought I always thought he was like middle of the pack. And I think he was the second rounder. Okay, I was just thinking out loud. The 2014 draft, as it played out, Wiggins. I still think uh, Wiggins goes number one to Cleveland, especially if they know they can get Kevin Love down the line via trade, right? Well, I mean, they had the choice, so that we know that he in any circumstances where they couldn't predict the future, Wiggins goes one. 100% healthy. Does Milwaukee go Parker or Embiid there at two? Joel would have been one if healthy. So he wouldn't have slid past Cleveland for sure, hands down. I mean, David Griffin has said that. Okay. And despite everything that the Bucks ownership was saying, I mean, let's just, let's just say – that Milwaukee had the foresight to take MB2 and just be like, all right, we're just going to wait and we'll see what happens. And if this pans out, we probably have two of the most dominant players in the NBA. 
Yeah, there was mutual disinterest between Joel and the Bucks. They didn't want Joel because of his injury. If he did magically slide to two without the injury, they would have taken him, I believe. But Joel said that that place is corny regarding yeah. the, the Bucks. He did not want to go to corny Milwaukee. Um, is, that, is that a direct quote? I don't have the verbatim, but corny <laughs> is 100% used. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. If you just Google Joel Embiid Milwaukee Bucks corny, it'll come right up. That being said, if all this shakes out differently, Embiid is fully healthy, Embiid goes one, let's if Embiid goes one, who's two? I think Wiggins would have went two. I think the two-way potential of Wiggins, people thought he was going to be a good defender and a uh, you know an all-star level scorer at the time. So I think Wiggins goes to the Maple Mamba. So that leaves the Sixers at three where you have Jabari Parker and his in- injury histories. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a rough, rough choice. I, think, I do think they would have taken Parker, who was healthy at the time. Some people made the case for Dante Exum. Oh, God. Remember that? I mean, a lot yeah. of... A lot very of, vaguely, very vaguely, I remember some Dante Exum talk. The Liberty Ballers 2014 big board had a lot of Exum up there, uh, as did many consensus boards with well-respected scouts. Listen, we all say and write some foolish things in the past. We, we just learn from them and grow as a site. That's what we do here. Well, let's give a little credit to Derek Bodner. He was the only one writing for us at the time who had Joel one overall, despite with the injury. Shout out to Derek Bodner. See, this is why Derek Bodner should be a GM general manager somewhere. I'm just saying. Just throwing yeah. that out there. <laughs> cheap plug. Cheap plug for any NBA executives out there that are looking for a good general manager. Derek Bodner is your man. Yeah, only one that had Joel one of us of us writers at the time. I wasn't there, but. Uh, Aaron Gordon, any love for that at number three? Um, I guess I wouldn't have been floored because. Hanky loved athleticism. He, you know, he took Noel for the, the long-term bet on upside. He, he kind of was seen as that type of player who might evolve as a two-way player, as a force, a weak side rim protector, and a finisher. Uh, I don't know how much all-star upside people thought there was. I think people were much higher on Exum. A lot of people were really high on Noah Vonley. A lot of people were on the Noah Vonley Express. Yeah, some people liked Julius Randle, Marcus Smart. So I think there was seen, there was what was seen as a pretty big teardrop after – I just thought of this. After the top three. Yeah, yeah. I say teardrop. That means two things. Uh-huh. That's fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. We all know what you were trying to say. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I think they would have taken Parker, but I don't think it would have been as definitive as if Wiggins was there. I think Wiggins they would have definitely taken third. Yeah, if, if Wiggins if Wiggins was there at three, there's no way the Sixers would have passed him up. Yeah, one little anecdote I thought was fun reliving some of this stuff was your own Whitespin wrote, like, remember, the Cleveland Cavaliers are, like, dissuaded by the broken foot, and the Bucks had no interest. Sam Hinkie is watching a, uh, a draft workout, and he starts learning the news that Joel has a broken foot, and he gets ecstatic, and he starts – getting excited, telling Brett Brown, hey, we think that Joel is going to be available to us at number three. Brett probably had a heart attack. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to get another player. Like, 
It's like you're telling me you're giving you're getting me another busted player when Julius Randle is right there and I can have him. I can just plug him into the offense. Yeah, there's going to be no Nerlens for a year. There's going to be no Joel. Oh, and by the way, ten picks later, no Dario coming. Right. <laughs> so yeah, but but it's funny that Hinky was so excited to the idea that he could draft this player that the first two teams didn't want at all. And you also can't discount the possibility of a trade down possibility. If Joel was off the board, I think they take Parker. But yeah, can't discount that at all. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of nose holding if Parker is the pick there. Yeah, that, that might be the case. Um, they did trade back when they drafted Alfred Payton, I believe, right? So they, they were right. certainly open to wheeling and dealing. That's the, that's the fun thing about these universes that we're spanning. Like, there's just so many possibilities. And it's just, it's just fun to look back at all of this stuff. Because there are many, 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 many stories that go on into how the Sixers came to be over the last decade. And as a franchise, it's just, we're just, we've just been tortured over the last decade. It's great content. A lot of stories here. Oh yeah. Torture is the word. (laughs) Oh, here, here's the quote. Here's the quote. We have the quote. That place is corny. Embiid told his agent at the time. That's, that's it. Like there's, there's no other, there's no other like expounding on that. It's just like that place is corny. I'm not going there. He had two destinations in mind. He wanted to be one in Cleveland. After that, he didn't want to go to the Bucks. He wanted L.A. at seven or Philly at three. And eventually they said, Philly wants you at three. And so he jumped quickly on board with that. All right. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for wanting to be here. We, we very much appreciate it. Uh, and, then, and then years later, there was when Joel called Milwaukee a blank hole. Remember that? Yes. There was also an Instagram post, I want to say, also where he uh, referenced something. I don't know if S-hole was the location tag when he yes. was in Milwaukee. Is that yes, what that was? Okay. It was. All right. All right. I, I knew I was putting two and two together there for a second. The S-hole location tag in Milwaukee. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. So we are going to take a short commercial break. We're going to power up the vehicle here. And then we're going to span these other uni- this other universe. I have my alternate universe what, with what the Sixers would do at three. And we'll see what Dave thinks about it. Maybe he has ideas of his own. But we will be right back after these words from our sponsors. It is the Out of Sight Podcast Summer Engagement Series. The Sixers Multiverse Podcast this week. What if the Sixers hadn't been able to draft Joel Embiid at number three overall in 2014? Back after these words. Businesses love data, like really love it. But is just having data enough? Yeah. Nope. Oh. Because the smart businesses, the really smart ones, use ZoomInfo. It leverages data to unlock useful insights. Insights so you know who to reach and how to reach them, letting you grow your business. So ask yourself, is your data insightful? Now it is. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so we're in the vehicle, the universe spanning vehicle here, and we're going to go to the alternate universe that I have postulated, that I have theorized. Joel Embiid, healthy, goes number one. Andrew Wiggins goes number two to Milwaukee. I think I agree with you that the Sixers take Parker at three. They hold their nose while they're doing it. <laughs> and I think this is the rotation. Nerlens, Chris Sims, Henry Sims, sorry. I don't know why I said Chris Sims. See, I've been thinking about football because I'm drafting in my league in two weeks. Oh, nice. Uh, Henry Sims, Chris Johnson, Tony Roten, Hollis Thompson, and then I guess Parker getting quote unquote starters minutes. Yeah. That that sounds about right. Yeah, there was some speculation that because Joel was injured and because Wiggins was raw, Parker was a good bet to win rookie of the year. He was a safe bet. And so with what happened with Michael Carter Williams in mind, maybe Sam Hinkie might have liked the idea of flipping him if he had won that, just like he did with MCW. And then Carter Williams was hurt to start the season there. Yeah. So that being said, trying to realize and think how much the future timeline is altered a little bit. Are the Sixers still so bad that they can't get Okafor in 2015? Okafor, who we talked about on this podcast? Well, it's possible that they would have won just a couple extra games and Okafor would have been off the board by then and they might have ended up with uh, KP or... I mean, Porzingis. Yeah, you know, the way, that, the way the ping pong balls shake out, you never know. Like, they could have wound up with the seventh seed instead of the third, it's not impossible, but I don't think he would have moved the needle so much to win them like a lot more games because Okafor, as much maligned as he is, he wasn't horrific. He was like 17 and six, wasn't he? And he didn't right. contribute. He didn't contribute a ton to winning. And I assume Parker wouldn't have either. I think Parker with that rotation, I think they probably get to 21 or 22 wins. I still think that, let's say, the ping pong balls fall the same ways and the Sixers draft at three. Then the rotation going into 2015 is looking like Nerlens, Okafor, Parker, Thompson, Roten, and Covington? Yeah, okay. The Sixers had the third worst record that year. The Knicks and the Wolves were really gunning hard for Cat. Uh, so could they have won four more games with a different player? Sure. I mean, they could have won four more, and then they'd be behind the Lakers. They probably wouldn't have caught the Magic regardless, who had no. 25 losses. Um, they're definitely not catching the Kings with 29 losses. So, yeah, I, I don't see, like, a 30-win outcome here. So I think they'd still be in the same range. 
But could they have been fourth and gotten Porzingis? Absolutely. And that's and that's again uh, hoping that Porzingis, you know, goes to workouts and is like kind of interested. I do think I do think that um, with Nerlens and Parker together, and Parker maybe if he wins Rookie of the Year, maybe Porzingis is more interested in coming to Philly. I mean, he still would have like I always picture Porzingis in Latvia being told, oh, this is the team that's losing on purpose and has four bigs. Like you still would have, you still would have been saying there are Nerlens was there. I get, I guess there's not the glut it's losing on purpose, but not the glut in this instance. Right. So yeah, he might be a lot more inclined if there's no Joel and Okafor. They're still, um, they're still losing for glut, but then like you could at least point to Jabari Parker and just be like, okay, they have something with that kid. So maybe they're at least trying to build something. Yeah, there's yeah, there's in this instance, there's Nerlens, but not Joel. So yeah, you could probably get on board with going to Philly more so. As for Cleveland, who drafted Embiid one, does that change anything? Does Cleveland still trade for Kevin Love? Does Cleveland still trade for Kevin Love if they had Joel? If they had Joel, if they took Joel at one and he and was he's fully, and he's no, if he's because I think we're going on the assumption that Embiid is completely healthy here. Mm. I see. He, I think he had more value if completely healthy than Andrew Wiggins did at the time because I think he was the consensus one heading into that draft. Um, but I, yeah, with LeBron and GM LeBron, I think you're still probably making that trade. I, mean, I think so too. Like, even if Embiid is, like, balling out like he was in Philly for those first 60 games that he was here, like, I still think that yeah. GM LeBron pulls that trigger. Yeah, Love was an all-star. He could shoot. Uh, he was the right mentality to get along with people. You know, he didn't he – did, he wasn't a diva. He wasn't someone that I need X number of touches. And I think LeBron sensed, like, this is my Chris Bosh 2.0 here. Mm. This, this is my stretch four. We can, we're going to do this. Joel, they were reportedly concerned with that stress fracture in the back spinal, whatever it was called. Um, so I think that would have been just enough to say, you know what? You know, he had the orbital fracture. He had the back. Let's, let's make this trade for the bona fide all-star. Does that also mean that we're pairing Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns? If, if Embiid is traded to Minnesota for Kevin Love instead of uh, Wiggins. Oh, they're getting paired there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so, because he's not playing. So they're, they're going to finish the same way, right? They're going to get the number one overall pick. Uh-huh. So uh, I get... As, <laughs> as much as we fantasize about Embiid and Cat here, that could have happened in Minnesota. Yeah, this is an alternative I hadn't really thought about that could yeah. happen in Minnesota. <laughs> Would they have had the patience to see how Joe looks in practice? Like, when Joe started playing and he was probably abusing Cat, would they have been like, oh, God. holy mackerel. Like, holy, ma- holy mackerel, what have we just assembled here? It's like we have, it's like we have Superman and General Zod on the same team. It's like we just got Rudy Gobert, but we didn't have to use any picks, and he's one of the best players in the league on offense and can lead the league in scoring. We have Rudy Gobert with an offensive game. Holy crap. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that they 
and we could talk about this for the Bucks too. I don't know that they would have had the patience to see because like you and I are looking back, we know Joel is a top five player in the entire league. But if you had no idea about that, if you were thinking if healthy, maybe this guy could make a few all-star teams like people were writing at the time of this draft, would you have seen it through? Because like Giannis I, now is playing off the ball a lot more when they're both out there. I don't know how long you give that before you wanted to trade one of them. Same with Cat and Joe. Maybe you trade Joe before he's even able to play. Who knows? I'll say this, and this could, this goes for Minnesota, Cleveland, Milwaukee, whoever we're saying in this in this universe here. I think when you hear what's being said about Embiid's game and you read about what's being said about Embiid's game, all the comparisons to Elijah Wan, him being like an absolute freak underneath, I feel like you at least have to see what it is when he's healthy, right? I think you at least have to see it and just give it 20, 25 games, right? I feel like you have to. A lot of the reporting, I feel like there's a little bit of hindsight. Yes, people are saying that when we saw it, we were absolutely blown away. We couldn't, everyone says this, like we couldn't believe what he was doing in practices. But at the time, there was still a lot of, uh, Greg Oden being thrown around because yeah. that was fresh, fresh in people's minds. Uh-huh. And there was this legitimate concern. Like this dude had a broken backbone in college. He had a broken face bone and now he has a broken foot. And then he did it again. There's a legitimate possibility. He will never play. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to like Nets fans say like we would trade Ben Simmons. He just had back surgery. I don't know what the deal is. We would happily take 60 cents on the dollar here. And I think at the time, some fans or some franchises might have said something similar. Like if we could get three picks out of Joe and, you know, a prospect in the next lottery, let's do that. I, I think I might agree with you there. Like, especially if there's so much hype around uh, Embiid at the time, just like, all right, listen, we got this guy. He might be the second coming of Elijah Wan. Here's, here's all the film. Here's everything that's been read and said about him. Like you want to give it a shot. And if so, it's going to cost you some draft capital because, again, this kid is like 21, 22 years old. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If someone wanted to take that long-term bet, you probably could have gotten pretty good value. And, and maybe Sam Hankey would have been tempted to at one point or another if he had stayed on beyond 2016. I have no idea. We've seen crazier trades, right? Like Miami traded like five picks for Justice Winslow or whatever the hell that was. The Celtics offered four firsts to move up and select Winslow. And Michael Jordan told them, no, I'm going to take uh, Frank the Tank here. Frank right. Wisniewski, how do you say his name? Uh, Frank Kaminsky. Kaminsky, Kaminsky yeah. yes. Apologies After, to Frank. Apologies, Frank the Tank, who I was actually kind of in the – I was actually in the tank for Frank. When, but, yes, you're right. Ainge wanted Winslow. That's who he was going to take. Now, for the Sixers, after all this, right, going past this, going past all that, having Parker, does that change anything else? I think they might be a little too good to get Simmons in 2016. I'm pretty sure. Well, is is Parker getting hurt? I mean, Parker played 25 games his rookie year. What, That's what's true. So, so if we're, are we so, saying he's healthy or do we look at him like – no matter what team he went to, he would have torn his knee. Like, did he have bad knees or did he have bad luck? 
I, I think to be fair to the universe parallel that we're drawing here in saying that Embiid has all of the health problems, I feel like we have to do the same for Parker. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's tough to say because you, t- you tear your knee once and maybe the surgery doesn't go well. Maybe that's why you tore it again or the other one. You, you know, who knows? I, I do think there's a very good chance that they wouldn't have finished the same way and wound up with Okafer if they had him that year. In terms of Simmons, if we're baking in some of Parker's injury concerns, I do think there's a chance that they would have done what it took to get that number one pick by hook or by crook. Mm. Maybe, it w- maybe it would have been eating Parker and him playing solidly. You know, he, he logged 76 games that year and he would have contributed at least. So maybe you're now trading someone else you didn't trade. You know, maybe uh, – yeah. Maybe you move, maybe you move Parker for, for future draft consideration at that point. Yeah, that's certainly in the cards as well. Um, so, you know, it's tough to predict what Sam Hinkie would have done. It's always uh, tough. To, it's always tough to do that because we never know what's going on in that man's head, but somehow it tends to work out, which has made, which was the funny thing about the process error. Like he would do things and was just like, what the hell is Sam doing? What's going on? And then all of a sudden we get Joel and beat him like that man is a genius. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly doesn't get enough due credit. If you just look back, like people, people talk about the asset hoard that Leon Rose assembled with the Knicks, you know, he, yeah. he, now, he now has like three extra picks that he could trade. Sam assembled like 25 picks and swaps on top of Joel and B didn't he? So it's like utterly preposterous what he did in under three seasons. We, we love, we love you, Sam. We, we love you, Sam. We miss you, Sam. We wish that, you know, things panned out a little bit differently so that you were able to fulfill the Sixers destiny with whatever you would have done. If you're listening to this and you are Daryl Morey's unpaid intern and you have to relay him Cliff's notes, tell him we suggest rehiring Sam somehow. Please, even if, even somehow. if ownership, ownership doesn't get to know about it. Just say there's a mysterious advisor on the payroll that that is only that is only consulted via Zoom and email. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he does not. He does not have an office. He 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 calls in virtually, and that's it. Yeah, put him at, put him down as like Joe Joe Blog or whatever. He's like he's like Clarence Beeks from Trading Places. Like that's yeah. what he is. That's exactly what he is, and he's gonna get and he's gonna get you. He's going to get you those pork belly reports. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, Omar Little or something from the wire. Wow, wow. that is the first that is the first ever pork belly reference I've made on this podcast. <laughs> I need to make more of those cuz that's just hilarious. That's just great. Yeah, let's try uh, to work another in. Let's just let's just try to work in as many Eddie Murphy movies in future podcasts as humanly possible. <laughs> uh for for example, uh, we're we're going to take a little bit more than 48 hours. See what I did there for next week's <laughs> podcast. And I'm going to try to cook up a little something special because, okay. because next week, next Wednesday is eight 24, which is, I don't know. Is that, is that the unofficial Kobe Bryant day or is that the official Kobe Bryant day? Oh yeah. So, what I would like to do, and I'm going to put the bat signal up because, Dave, I recognize and acknowledge that you're not the best when it comes to 
uh, Six's lore prior to 2010? Or prior to 2013, really. I, I was trying to give you a little bit of credit, Dave. Jesus. Well, um, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, the Iguodala days I live. There you go. Um, so next week for the unofficial Kobe Bryant Dave 824, I would like to put this podcast out on... 824 may just have to be 823 just for Tuesday consistency sake, but I'll talk to Jazz about that. But what if the Sixers drafted Kobe Bean Bryant instead of Allen Iverson? And I have a person in mind that I would like to bring in to help us with the with a little with the with a little history that you're shaky on so you're not doing this all by yourself <laughs> yes yeah needed very needed i will put the bat signal up i have somebody in mind i will contact him after i'm done recording this podcast and we'll see what we can get done as far as like timing and when we can record and so on and so forth but that's the plan next week cool this week enjoy the podcast enjoy everything that is going up on the liberty baller site Lots of news, including the Sixers maybe recouping $20 million from Ben Simmons. I don't know if you heard about that. Or Simmons getting an undisclosed amount from the Sixers for his mental health absence. So there's that. There are other podcasts, Gastroenteritis Blues, still chucking strong, jazz canning with the the Daily Sixers news and notes. Uh, Once again, congratulations to our colleague Steve Whitman. Uh, we expect those wedding invitations in the mail, Steve, and we are going to harass you on Slack until we get them. Yes. <laughs> in the meantime, I am Adil Royster, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes, as always on this podcast. Dave Early, always fun talking to you and spanning these universes. We are going to get back to our own natural realities, and we are going to continue on with the week. Enjoy your week, Dave. I will talk to you next week. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. Zoom info. Business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, Zoom info aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go to market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom info how business goes to market.